Cofield and Company. From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Uh, I think I got over my Super Bowl hangover at about 6 p.m. yesterday. So I feel like a new man. I feel like a new man. Hangover. I, Steve, we've known each other for a while now. And I think that, you know, the way that I um, entered altered states is not generally through that of libations and alcohol. But I would say that with the Super Bowl in our fair city, I ingested in the last nine days uh, more alcohol than I generally do over the course of, I would honestly say, two months. So I felt very hungover both because of the alcohol and because of just the party effect of our fair city. So I feel recovered. I feel 100% now. And I'm also kind of getting old. Yeah, you're not getting old. You just don't drink enough. Uh, Your body's not used to it. Uh, so you will give, and we're going to check in with a bunch of people again, following up on the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, because there's some really weird tweets that front office sports put out. And yep. later in the show, I'll tell you, I I texted at least four casino executives and kind of ran by some of the notions from outside the market on Vegas and how we feel about the Super Bowl, and it's it's way off because we want to get the uh, the Travis Kelsey, the latest on Kelsey out there as he and his brother did their New Heights podcast Mm -hmm. with an update on the bump. I don't even know if it's heard around the world viewed, (laughs) certainly to the point where uh, we all saw that Andy Reid was about to fall over. Um, One, we have Steve Kim on later on, and Steve does a couple of blocks a week with Whitlock. I understand a lot of us are, well, I'm not, but a a lot of people out there are doing bits. Right, there's an angle, and they got to find something that kind of follows their narrative. I want you to listen to Jason Whitlock the other day as he tries to drum this Kelsey bumping into Big Red uh, into something really, really big about today's society. Tony Romo and Jim Nance danced around it very quickly in three to five seconds, and then at halftime, Nate Burleson, I thought, made a fool out of himself, wouldn't let anybody talk, wouldn't let Bill Cowher talk. I wanted to hear. It was a worthy discussion that never got had. Travis Kelsey erupted, shoved Andy Reid, yelled at him, and, and it wasn't even discussed. JB and I just talked about it. Players are out of control, man. They have no respect for authority. I mean... What do you do when it's that stupid? Or, or is there some validity to it that players now are more out of control than they've ever been and they have no respect for authority? They're also the softest they've ever been, too. So I don't know which one we're supposed to do. 
That's a good point. You can't have it both ways. You can't say the athletes today don't care like the athletes of the past, and then a guy slightly crosses the line by screaming at his coach and bumping him right. and talk about how they're completely out of control. By the way, for people who are very hardcore on TV watching and Whitlock's bit, he does have Coach JB on as a regular. Jason Brown is the coach that was featured in two seasons of Last Chance U. Maybe the most undisciplined coach we've ever witnessed in the history of television. Now, I think a lot of it was done for the cameras, but completely out of control. I will not go look up what Coach JB said about a player being out of control. Uh, I mentioned the New Heights podcast, John, so uh, the Kelsey brothers were on there. And, you know, you mentioned something the other day about podcasts, about how they're snipped and chopped really creatively. That is the best thing mm-hmm. is the small uh, stints that they put out, the small clips that they put out of the Kelsey podcast. This is like four minutes squeezed into 31 seconds. It is brilliant, but it's Jason busting Travis's chops, and then Travis does apologize for what he did to Big Red. I can't get that fired up to the point where I'm bumping coach and it's getting him off balance and stuff. I mean, let's be honest. The, the yelling in his face, too, is over the top. I think there's better ways to handle this. I immediately wish I would have took it back. Coach Reed actually came right up to me after that, and he just let him know. Hey, man, I love your passion. I got cameras on me all over the place, man. Just fired me up even more to go out there and get a f-ing victory for him, man. Big Red, sorry if I uh, caught you with that cheap shot, baby. But damn, I love winning with you. You got to have your head on a swivel because next time he gets fired up at you, he's coming hot at you. You know that. Oh, yeah, I deserve it. If he would have cold cocked me in the face right there, I would have just ate it and just been like, yeah, let's f-ing go. That will be my favorite moment of the year next year. Hopefully Andy Reid keeps a little bit of the annoyance in the back of his mind. And I don't know, like week six, we all forget about this. And they're down at the half. You know, Kelsey comes out, makes a mistake at the beginning of the third quarter, and Andy Reid walks up to him on the bench and punches him right in the face. <laughs> we'll be like, he said he wanted it, man. He said he could deal with it. Well, sorry. It's funny. Old school, tough coaching, John. It is, but it's also funny when it's because there's such a magnifying glass on Travis Kelsey right now, right? We were not talking about the fact that Patrick Mahomes had to yell at Rishi Rice at one point during the game, too, walking off of the field and screaming at him about how he didn't understand what was just happening. I think he was screaming because Rishi Rice apparently wasn't happy because he was open, and Mahomes had to tell him, the ball was at my effing feet. Like, the snap was terrible. You know, he was screaming at him, <laughs> telling him, like, it's not that I didn't see you. Stop it, you know? But we don't, yeah. we don't focus on that because he's not dating Travis or CBA Taylor Swift. But, look, I mean, it happens. And going back to the impetus of this conversation – you can't have this both ways. You can't say today's athletes are pampered and don't care the way that they used to, and then when they show in a moment of passion, yeah. Travis Kelsey's mad. They, were, they weren't looking good. They looked terrible at the yeah. beginning of that game, and he wants to be better, and he wants to be out there to do it, and he let emotions boil over. You can't have this both ways because, as usual, and this is generally the case, these guys just can't win. Exactly. But I will and say – when it is – when it is part of a bit, God. I was just going to say, you know what my favorite the thing about this is, though? You know who's now out on Travis Kelsey? The Swifties. What? Oh, I saw this all over TikTok on Monday and yesterday. First off, uh, the, the blow-up is it's a red flag, Steve. It's a red flag. Can't have that. It's a red flag. Also, apparently screaming Viva Las Vegas like 10 times during the postgame. Uh, is apparently a red flag and an ick, according to the Swifties. That can happen. I love it. You live long enough to become the villain. It happens every time. 6.30 at the Cox Pavilion, and the Runny Rebels 
They're on the road in California. They'll be taking on Fresno State tip-off set for just after 8 o'clock. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. KVT is a company today, Finley Toyota Studios. Uh, Damon is there as Cofield on the road. Fresno game coming up for the UNLV running Rebels. That is an 8 o'clock start, 7.30 with running Rebel warm-up. Man, there's a bunch of stuff coming down today. The unfortunate uh, tragedy again in Kansas City at the parade, a shooting. Out of San Fran, not life-altering unless you're Steve Wilkes. He's fired? Okay, little Shani and Lynch. So we'll get to that a little later. Mm-hmm. Caleb Herring is going to join us. But uh, just a couple minutes ago, I sat down for a lengthy conversation, John, with the one, the only, Curtis Terry, who, of course, uh, of course played for the Runner Rebels, is one of the voices on radio. And uh, I should mention again, he played, but he also played with Coach Kevin Kruger. And we were talking about composure. And this team has had some issues over the season staying composed. Caleb Boone could do a little better job of not getting cheapies. The guy who has been the most composed all season long, and especially in the Hornets' nest down at New Mexico, was Deedon Thomas. It's pretty incredible. He's 18 years old, and he's a guy every night they play, you know, you can count on to not lose his cool. His maturity is years beyond his age. I mean, what he does on the court, um, as, a, as a true freshman, as a point guard, a guy that just turned 18 back in the fall, should be a senior in high school right now, should be making a run at another state championship at Liberty High School. Um, for the fact that, that he comes out here and he manages himself and, and handles everything that's thrown at him when he's, he's getting ridden up the court, guys are being extra physical with him, he's not getting any calls. Um, and then you mentioned a guy like Jalen House who's been in college for a long time, played in the Pac-12, uh, played in the Mountain West. Obviously, he's, he's a great defender. Um, comes from a great background, great pedigree. But Jalen tried to use his 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 energy, his excitement, his strength to overpower um, DJ, and he just he wasn't he wasn't shaken by it. And it was it was interesting to see that DJ just started like you said use that against him, and he was going at Jalen House every single possession, and Jalen House had nothing that he could do in response. And I think for DJ to be able to show that maturity in terms of letting his game speak for itself, I think it filters down through his teammates because you see the coaches are the only ones on the sidelines for UNLV that are getting hot and, and talking a lot to the refs and, and being animated. But I think the guys are doing a much better job. And even you see now, like, Caleb Boone is doing a much better job of being reserved, as is Luis Rodriguez. I don't think he's as animated when calls don't go their way. So I think they're starting to take on that persona and identity of their point guard, and that's only going to bode well for this team. UNLV at Fresno tonight. Curtis Terry is with us. He'll be on the call of the game. Running Rebel warm-up starts right here on ESPN Las Vegas at 7.30. How about his post-up game? 6-1. And against guards who are size or smaller, it could happen again tonight. Isaiah Hill's about the same size. Post-up game from the point guard. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of a throwback, right, to some of those old-school point guards. Um, Mark Jackson, right, used to kind of go in the post and mix it up a little bit. I mean, Chris Paul's known to have a pretty solid post-up game. Um, Jason Kidd has got a good post-up game. So it's kind of that throwback point guard mentality. Uh, but he does a good job of using his weight, using his body, trying to get you off balance. And what a lot of guys do now is they kind of use that, like kind of that Dirk Nowitzki fadeaway. They kind of lean into you and they fade away. Um, he hit a big shot over Jalen House like that, and that's when he made that kind of too small. Or like the Kevin Durant, like too tiny reference. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, it's, it's something that he can use to his advantage, and he knows how to play in there. And again, 
with the way UNLV is built right now, as opposed to years and decades in the past, they've never had a true post presence. Now you can throw it inside to Caleb Boone. You can throw it inside to Rob Whaley, Keelan Boone on the post. Even if DJ gets on the post, they've got opportunities to really control the flow of the game um, and the tempo of the game. And I think that's going to work well for this team so they don't always have to rely on shooting a lot of threes or trying to play fast. They can really control the tempo and pick and choose their spots. As a coach, do you tell DJ Thomas down the stretch here, it's go time. I saw what you just did against New Mexico. I saw what you did, uh, you know, months ago against St. Mary's. I want you to shoot more. Uh, I don't think they need to. I think he's. I think he understands the, the flow of the game. And I think again, he was groomed to be a point guard. It's obvious. His younger brother's coming up, going to be a great point guard as well. Still a few years away, but I think it goes back to looking at his dad, Deion Thomas Senior. I think he knew what type of players his boys were going to be, and they were not going to be the biggest guys, and he groomed them to be point guards. I think they understand the concept of being a floor general, managing the game. Um, And you can see it that there's many times where he could go out and just get his numbers and get his own, but that's not going to help the team win. But I think he understands now, like, there's times where I need to go get mine because we're not going to get ours if I don't. And I think having that mentality, he knows when to push for himself, when to pull back, get his teammates involved. And you said you saw it, like you said, at St. Mary's. Um, you, you saw it again here uh, at New Mexico. And I think there's going to be times where he's going to have to pull out and say, hey, I need to go get mine. I got to get us going. And I think coach might say, remind him, like, hey, now is the time. So I think that's going to be the extent of it. But I think the kid really has a great grasp of being a point guard. You and Ali just played Fresno 16, 17 days ago. Interesting game. Uh, they contained Isaiah Hill. I want to talk about him in a second. But this matchup is a little different because if Eduardo Andre is not available – then they're nowhere near as big as they were that night because they'll play both of the big 6'10", 6'11". So they go smaller, which I actually think helps Fresno. Um, first of all, what you see out of uh, Boyachi? Uh, they're big, a little thicker than Andre. He had a pretty good game. He wound up with a double-double, and he was you know, really effective catching the ball on the block. Uh, I think it was good for them. I mean, obviously, I think they, they had some advantage of playing out of the post. Um, I think it was a situation where if, if the Rebels get in foul trouble um, and they've gotten to that point at times, you know, Rob had finished that game with four fouls, um, that the Rebels can, can have some difficulties in, in terms of defending. Um, again, playing through the post. Uh, as most teams do, it's hard to guard teams that play through the post and have a post presence. Uh, but I think the Rebels have to get off to a hot start. They had Isaiah Hill in check for the beginning of the game. They're going to have to do that again. They can't allow this team, as we've seen with, with Fresno State teams in the past, if they come out and knock down some early threes, they're really hard to beat because they get all the confidence in the world so I think the Rebels have to come out again guard that three-point line um, but try to control the tempo but also do what they do and that's throw it inside be physical dominate and then pick and choose their spots to run out and transition and that's what I expect of this team I think their confidence and their focus is light years way ahead of where it was a month and a half ago even when they played this team two and a half three weeks ago I just think that they're focused and locked in on something that's completely different in terms of their tasks that they want to achieve and know they can achieve now as opposed to when we started conference play even beginning of January. So year to year, this is really interesting against Fresno State. Last year, I felt like Isaiah Hill controlled the game. UNLV could never really figure out how to stop him. And uh, this time around, this last game, I thought on the pick-and-roll defense, they had them all confused. Plus, they had five defenders switching on them. I mean, it wasn't a lot of time, but a few seconds here and there was Rob Whaley. Lou Rod was a primary defender. It was just a different size guy all the time. And I mentioned Rob Willie as a key because there are games where they can switch five. Last year they could not. And you remember the issue here last year, Keyshawn Hall, and I got to watch some more George Mason basketball because he's averaging like 18 and a half and eight and eight. And I know he's now he's down to like 220. He could not defend on the perimeter. They just recognized that. He couldn't figure it out. He was too big. Uh, Rob's kind of the perfect guy. He's not lighter no. than Keyshawn was last year, but I just think he's more nimble and he's got he's got a more advanced mind basketball-wise. I think so as well. Um, I think I think Rob Whaley, and again, you got to think he was older though too. He went to junior college. He was in college for two years already, came here, 
was came off the bench for the first part of the season. Um, obviously, his dad played some high level basketball. Obviously, with Coach Kevin Kruger, um, and, and so. I think he understands the game well. He now understands where he can have success on the court defensively as well. Um, and so I think it, it, it bodes well for them to be able to, to switch three, four, five, whatever the case may be in the lineup that they have. I mean, there was there was a game, uh, I mean, recently, even against New Mexico, where they kind of went small. And you think, well, if you got Keelan out there as the five, or Rob's your five, and Keelan's your four, I mean, you really got five wings or perimeter guys. And so, again, it just causes trouble for the lineup for the opposing team. That's another thing we got to talk about is UNLV's defense this last two weeks, three weeks, it's been at a level that hasn't been at so far this year in terms of switching, ball pressure, and you're getting contributing factors from every guy across the team. And I think, again, it makes them really, really tough to beat. The other key in this one, Fresno's taking on UNLV. Uh, Curtis Terry and myself are here in Fresno. Again, uh, about uh, 4.45 until tip. It's a later start. Isaiah Hill's the key. He's, he's target number one. The other guy, though, is Xavier Ducell. And I thought he had some open threes in the game of the Thomas and Mack. He just missed. Yeah. Uh, so there's actually motivation here. They held him to 3 of 10 from 3 to get even better. He's shooting 43% of the year. The last two games, Curtis, he is 13 of 18 from 3. I mean, he could change the entire game if he catches fire. What do you do defensively? Uh, you, you better get out and get a hand up and run him off the three-point line. I don't think he's nearly as successful or as effective as a player when he has to put the ball on the floor. Um, obviously, we saw what Xavier Ducell did when he was at Wyoming the last few years um, in, in the team they had with Maldonado and Graham Ike. I mean, that team was well-rounded, and he knew his what his job and his role was, and I think he's got a very similar role now. I think he's now able to do more on the floor if, if the opportunity presents itself, but I don't think that's his strong suit. I think the Rebels have to make sure, like they've done over the last, again, three, four weeks, they've got to guard the three-point line like crazy. They've got to run out, no open shots, uh, make sure their switches are on point and they're coming together on their switches. But, again, if they let – not just Xavier Dussel, if it's Isaiah Pope who knocked down a couple of threes, if it's Isaiah Hill, um, even Donovan Yap, the, the kid from Vegas, uh, Arborview High School graduate, if they let any of these guys get some confidence to get going, this team is tough to beat. You know, he's lost here again a number of times over the last few years, so they've got to make sure that they don't take this team lightly and it can't be a game where you're trying to look ahead to Saturday because we all know how big and crazy Saturday is going to be with Nevada coming to town in um, that rivalry, but to be able to set yourselves up to be, to be effective and to win there, you have to take care of business here tonight. Curtis Terry, very important. This is a big holiday. As you're on the sidelines, will you be able to concentrate? Uh, I didn't do much for Valentine's Day. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm in trouble. Did you do anything, or do you know you're headed back to a hornet's nest when you get back home? <laughs> I think I'm always headed back to a hornet's nest, <laughs> as most of us men are. But yes. um, no, send some flowers. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, uh-huh. You internet these days, you can get anything done from anywhere. Sent some flowers. How early? Like last week you sent them? This morning. You did? <laughs> don't tell anybody. Yeah. Oh, good for you. That's I found one Found one place that would be able to get them delivered today. So it worked. Um, nice. So yeah, did that. Um, put a little something on Instagram. Um, but I mean, for me, I mean, obviously, my, my, my forever Valentine is going to be my little girl. It's going to be my daughter, Preston. And so um, obviously not going to be home to be with the kids. But um, I know my grandma, my mom's in town. Uh, she's going to be hanging out with the kids. So... That's that's who's the the, the the Valentine princess is obviously going to be her forever. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough day to be any holiday that you're away from your kids. And you got to think about Kevin though. Kevin's got his wife at home, his his two daughters, um, the new son. But uh, I think we all kind of feel it to some degree. And so hopefully, hopefully the guys planned early and did something a little bit more more proactive than me just sending flowers on the day of. If Kevin Kruger gets a win tonight, that's a nice gift. Yeah. Right. Um, if they get a win. If I close out the post-game media session and say, 
congrats. I love you. What's his reaction going to be? <laughs> He's going to probably like, huh? Like he'll probably. Like, I'll mention Valentine's Day. He'll probably just react. Off. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he'll say I love you too. Yeah. I feel like I don't know. Probably I, not. If I said it to him, I think he'd probably say I love you yeah. too. I'll um, throw him off. <laughs> but maybe, maybe, maybe we'll end. Maybe, maybe we'll end the the, the post game interview like that too. Say, so, all right, coach. Well, we love you. Happy Valentine's Day. You do it. And I'll see what he does. But then you can see what he does in. <laughs> we both do it in the media afterwards in the post game press conference. Kind of see what reaction we get. All right, thanks, Curtis. We appreciate it. We're coming back in Cofield and Company here. Tip is in about uh, four and a half hours. A big basketball game with Fresno taking on UNLV. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. All right, John Von Tobel and Duman, uh, do you believe that either Curtis Terry or myself, if the Rebels win tonight in Fresno, as an ode to Valentine's Day, will tell him that we love him? No. I mean, why would you love him more or less after what happens today in Fresno? Well... You know what? You're right. If, if they if they suffer a close loss, maybe an I love you would actually pick them up. Now, what you should do, the professional in you, no matter what the score is, at halftime when you're done, you say, all right, Kevin, thanks. Love you. So I have to do it at halftime? Yeah. <laughs> do you know how disarming it would be? Now, I hope this doesn't happen. But if they're down like 13 <laughs> at the half... And he's getting irritated with your questions, and you just end it with, yep. all right, Kevin, love you. Back up to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys saw the video I posted of him at the New Mexico game when he got really peeved. Oh, no, I missed this. Let me see. Oh, this. you didn't see it? Okay. Uh, during the next break, check it. Because he got, he got livid. Did you put this up uh, on your Twitter account or, like, the other six that you have access to? Because every time you say you post something, I have to search through six different accounts to find it. True story. It's a good point. I don't know if I retweeted it on, <laughs> on Steve Cofield. I, I sent it out on UNLVL Access. You're right. Okay. I'll retweet it right now because maybe enough people, not enough people saw it. Um, okay, so that's set up. That's set up. We're open for a good game tonight, a competitive game. This is a gigantic game for UNLV. And, again, we're, uh, we're going to be over there at 730 for Runner Rebel warm-up and then 8 o'clock with the tip. Let's do a giveaway right now. 364 1100 Zero, zero. We've got tickets to Ray Romano. He's coming here in April to Las Vegas, Summit Showroom at the Venetian. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. It's Ticketmaster.com to go see Ray Romano in April. And DeMond's got your hookup. Caller 7 for Ray Romano here in April, 364-1100. Caller 7. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. This part of Cofield and Company brought to you by our friends at Circa Las Vegas. We're going to be at uh, Stadium Swim tomorrow with the live Cofield and Company. We're there just about every Thursday moving forward. So come on down one of these times and hang out. Enjoy all there is to enjoy at Circa Las Vegas. And a great time this weekend to stop by is... The UFC 298 viewing party. Alexander Volkanovsky is on the card defending his 145 title. You got a top 135 bout featuring Henry Cejudo. Former middleweight champ Robert Whitaker is back. The viewing all goes down at Stadium Swim. To book your spot, circlelasvegas.com. John, you had a, a really good time. I know that you said it multiple times. 
at Radio Row last week, um, and I told you going in, one of the best parts about it is you get exposed to people that maybe are not in the sports realm. They're sports fans, but they're not in the sports realm. We had uh, our good friends Tom and Bert were with us. That's right. Not really good friends, but Tom Segura and Bert Kreischer. Uh, but the cavalcade of star chefs was pretty cool, wasn't it? Uh, it was awesome. And as somebody who really enjoys cooking, <laughs> to yes. talk to these guys up front and uh, talk a little bit about cooking, but just meet them, uh, it, was, it was quite the experience. And honestly, there was a couple of cool athletes, but the comics, the chefs, all amongst the top <laughs> interviews uh, that we did. This one we didn't even get to uh, air last week, so we wanted to have Brian Voltaggio on the show. Uh, he of the Voltaggio Brothers, successful restaurateur, including here in Las Vegas. And uh, this part of the conversation, we were talking about uh, what he's got going down with his brother at Mandalay Bay. Michael and I, we just opened a restaurant here uh, for a first time in Vegas. So we opened up Retro, if you had a chance to get there or not. But... Um, it's a throwback to 80s and 90s dishes that we kind of grew up with. Uh, dishes that we cooked as young cooks and chefs. Dishes that might have appeared on our table from our moms. Our mom liked to cook a lot. Um, you know, think about uh, it, there's a, one of our favorite dishes, and it's kind of iconic to the restaurant now. I almost call it a signature. Think about it, it's uh, there's these O's that used to come in a can. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So ours are called Voltaggios. All right. Really? Okay. So you have this yeah. big, beautiful meatball that's in the center of glaze and, 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 and braised and marinara sauce and uh, lots of Parmigiano Reggiano. And we pour this uh, can of O's out, you know, at the table, you know, out of the can, yeah. right? Um, it's dressed in, in uh, glazed in this Arabiata sauce. has a little bit of spice and lots of brown butter. It's, like, really incredible. Wow. Are, so you, are you not allowed to say the original name for, like, trademark reasons? I, I, I mean, I'm just don't I, cross over that line quite yet. SpaghettiOs? What you I might have. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't know if you're like this, uh, but I, I will go to the store and I will walk by whatever it is. Right. SpaghettiOs, like, beefaroni, mm-hmm. like, the ravioli. I'm like, I should not do this. And every once in a while, we'll pick up a can of Frank. What is it, Franco American and the other yes. brand? I'm like, well, why am I doing this? But but it brings back memories from childhood. But I'll tell you why and what you can do with it. You know how this whole thing kind of started. I mean, Michael and I, yeah, it was a part of our pantry. It was part of our dinners every once in a while. But we would embellish on it, right? You know, we take those things and like, you know, we, we might take the you know spaghettios and then we might add our own like hot, grilled hot dogs or something sure. to it and great different types of cheeses over the top you know what i mean like it, it's you're starting with a platform you got to build on it right so a little okay. before me like for us it was like the individual like you know the uh, boyardee ones or um hamburger helper was one too oh yeah 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 you, if you go off script a little bit you can make a really yeah. good dish absolutely i think it's become a really good food city incredible food city I mean, in a lot of ways, I've been in and out of this city for a long time. Even though we just opened our first restaurant, yeah. our parents lived here for six years. They so spent a lot of time. I used to work for my, one of my former employers had a restaurant here in Mandalay Bay where you know, I worked for Charlie for a long time. So I spent a lot of time out here in Las Vegas. So it's good to get reconnected to the city, be part of this city, you know, be here for this residency. And, you know, be here for the first Super Bowl that we're hosting. You know, which it's incredible. Is, it's really incredible. And honestly, I think the relationship should continue. I mean, there's oh. no better city to host the Super Bowl than Las Vegas. I mean, think about it. The infrastructure's here. The rooms are here. I mean, everything here that you need, it's the biggest entertainment ca- the entertainment capital of the world. Like, I feel like other cities going, run yeah. out of venues for the parties. Yeah. And we've got more parties than any Super Bowl city in the history of this thing. Right. All the culinary names you have all over this strip. And, and as you said, out in the neighborhoods, right? And there's some really incredible food in Las Vegas. And so, you know, I just think it's just, and, you know, it's the perfect city to host something like this. 
So John is very much your your stuff looks good, and oh, I've tasted okay. some of your stuff. I'm the chef at our house. I didn't want to. Yeah, I was going to say amateur house, yeah. chef, but he, like, I think John actually could because you you want to get out of radio. Uh, <laughs> in the end, this is lame. He's still young, and who knows where we are twenty years from now. I think it's something you'd want to do. Oh, absolutely. I like. I love it. So I just I like it. I think it's an art form. It's really cool. And as a father figure, right? Because right. I have two kids. It's really it's a nice feeling to take care of people. You yes. know what I mean? To have them eat. Like the biggest compliment you can get. I like is just like it's good. Like when people are eating and not talking. I, I love every aspect of cooking. So it has been something that I've looked into in terms of like schooling and stuff like that. Because it's outside of radio. It is one of my very big passions. You're serious? Oh yeah. Oh, I like yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, and and I share that same passion. I mean, obviously, what we do, we're, it's very much about hospitality. Yeah. You know, and so. I mean, Michael and I are huge on hospitality, entire experience in the restaurants. We're gracious hosts all the time. But, you know, I love the fact that you actually care to cook and you like to be a part of it. And I'm wondering, what are you doing later tonight? Uh, did you want to you want to come in and, and uh, cut your chops in the, in the restaurant tonight? I mean, it's really wait close, a second, right? what? really? Yeah, yeah get off. The- <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, uh, yeah, come get on. off at six p.m. Okay, like, yeah, all right, stop over. We'll put you to work. Okay, yeah, I mean, I love <laughs> get out of here. I would do it, man. I like, and I and I am to pat myself. I'm kind of a worker. Like I like doing yeah? that stuff. So like starting right. from the bottom, going up. Like yeah, dude, I would love it. it all right. So well, cool. I do know you do have a big weekend with what's going on yeah, in town. Of course. So if it's too much today. But the door is always open. Okay. How about that? Yes. That Does would that be awesome. Work? Yeah. Okay. We would love to have you in. That'd be incredible. Yeah. Dude, I'm excited. You're going to lose me. <laughs> well, we're going to kick off his new career. <laughs> I, know, I know I'm going to lose you. That's what I said. I think yeah. you're getting out of this pretty soon. Uh, Brian Voltaggio is with us. So let's talk about, I was actually just going to say, I didn't know that was going to happen. I was going to segue from John cooking right. and then to that like next le- the highest level of restaurateurs and going into these kitchens on TV and competing. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it, it's, been a part of my career now for a really long time i mean the first time i appeared in competition was back in 2010 so um and it's not something that stopped for sure now i'm on the other side of the fence a lot you know i'm judging a little bit more now which has been cool but we still the the benefit of what we do and even though we you know we're in television michael's got shows you know i've been you know involved you know here and there um we still stay at the stove like, we still cook every day in our restaurants. We still go in, just as I invited you to do, and, and work alongside our team sure. and cook with them. And that's because that's what we're passionate about. But also keeps us sharp in what we do. Not so everyone enables does. us to be ready for competition, right? Not everyone does that either. Right. The, Not the everyone level does. Chefs and they start getting so many restaurants. Yeah, some don't, you know. But, I mean, most do, most do you know, who care and really passionate about the industry and what they do, they still cook on a regular basis, you know. So, um, but, I mean, but that's what we do. That's what we keep sharp. That's why we're able to do both. Right. Is the environment as intense as, like, media has made it out to be? Screaming, um, yelling, cursing? No, that yeah. stuff's gone. Yeah. Like, that never happened. Did I grow up in kitchens like that at a young age? I mean, yeah, I've been there and done it. I've witnessed some things. But, you know, it's not. <laughs> but, right. but, I mean, but that was, that, you know, it was a different time. I mean, was it right? No. You know, and so I'm glad where industry is gone. I mean, I really appreciate the efforts we put into you know, making it a, a great work environment and something that's, you know, we love teaching, you know, and that's what, that's what we're all about. That's what a chef is. It's really, a, it's a teaching, uh, uh, you know, role, you know, in a, in a mentorship in a lot of ways. And so that's the part that I love about it. Yeah. But I also, th- I've told him, we were talking to everybody else, like TikTok, social media sites like that, yeah. but TikTok especially, I feel like it's made for cooking. Right. Like it's, it's a perfect platform for it. You can do it in like 60 to 90 seconds, show what you're cooking, mm-hmm. you move on to the next one. That, my whole feed is that. Like my wife makes fun of me because she can't do it. I like that and I don't. Because <laughs> here's what I say, is that we've lost patience in cooking now. Sure. Sometimes yeah, because of that. Because just think about like making a caramelized onion, like French onion soup, right? Yep. It takes time to caramelize onions, 45 minutes to an hour. The first to time do I did it, right. it, I had no idea. Yeah. Right. Yep. 
but that patience is what yields the depth of flavor that you get, and that's the reason why you want to stick your spoon back into the dish. Yep, absolutely. And if, if you rush that, it just doesn't happen. Brian Voltaggio is with us. Uh, Retro here at Mandalay Bay. That space is ridiculous. It is. When we took over Retro, it was a familiar kitchen, which made going in and, and, and making the concept come to life a little bit easier, right, because we knew the space. Um, but to take that and transform it to what it is now and the effort that, that MGM and Mandalay Bay put into it, um, you know, they, 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 they were just as passionate as we were about bringing Retro to, to Vegas. And so um, and it's it just... You know, the, the artifacts that are in there, the things, the pieces that you see, the, the, the nods to the 80s and 90s, the dessert cart that we have now, which is truly incredible. Um, we have, a, you know, one dish that's really fun. Just think of a, it's called a pinky. Okay, so I think you could associate with that. I hear I am playing names again. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a strawberry-flavored sponge cake that's sure. filled with, yes, uh, you know what I mean. It's, yep. it, it's pretty fun, right? So, um, you know, and there's, there's all, you know, all these toys and, you know, candies and like all of this stuff that just takes you back. I mean, we have Big League Chew. Like, people just grab it off the counter if they want and take it with them. Dude, our bucket of double bubbles has been like one of the biggest. Oh, really? yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Because we all grew up with that stuff and we all can relate to it and it's all, you know, it takes us back to childhood and that's what I love about being, you know, a chef and a cook. There he is. Brian Voltaggio was with us on Radio Row last week. Uh, one of our favorite conversations before Super Bowl 58. John Von Tobel was on there and as a chef... Voltaggio mentioned retro is now open and on his Voltaggios I'm a person that lacks so much creativity in terms of uh, thinking John uh-huh. I was like you know I could get some of the canned messes from the past that I liked as a child in the 70s and 80s and reinvent them a little bit maybe I'll try that you never done that before I mean, with with ramen, I'll dress it up a little bit, you know, throw a little fried egg in there. No, I really, I don't, I, I'm an animal, I'm, like I talk about my eating habits all the time. I'm very basic, and I'm an animal, so I just, I, I, I don't eat it cold out of the can. Like, right. I've seen people do that with Franco-American and Chef Boyardee, but, uh, no, I never really thought of putting on some, like, fancy cheese or maybe adding something to the, uh, the ketchup-y tasting tomato sauce. By the way, I love this stuff. Uh, but yeah, I've never, never done that. Never picked out all the little pieces of meat and formed them into one giant meatball? Wow. Would you do that with mini meatballs, make it into one big meatball? I did, I've done it like once or twice, yeah. Have you? <laughs> I, I will say. I love it. Um, Damon and I were talking as we were listening to that. I honestly don't know what to do. Do I take him up on that offer? It seems, 100%. It seems so genuine, but I feel like I'd be so out of place. You would be. <laughs> and here's the thing. While the owner of the restaurant is like, yeah, come in. Right. The people, the the workers on the ground there are going to be like, what? It, like, I got stuff to do. I don't have a no time to train this jabroni. That's that's kind of what I wonder what it would be. Like, I feel like it'd just be more an observation thing than anything else, right? Like, yeah. as I told Damon, I was actually I was actually initially nervous. Like, I'm never going to take him up on this because I'm going to be in a position where I don't know what to do. Or what if he just took me to literally? He's like, yeah, go in there and chop some onions or something like that. Like, no, I don't want to be in charge of anything. So I don't know what it would be, but I feel like I have to. I feel like I would uh I would hate myself if I didn't actually take him up on it. Hey, you got to try it, man. And then he offered. And then when we reach out, he'd be like, "Who are you? What are we talking yeah. about? What?" <laughs> be like, "I was kidding, you idiot. Right. I would Just never clean it up for the air. Never do anything like that." I would love. Actually, I would love the opposite if you went in there, and they're like, uh, "You know what? We're a little short on the uh, ceviche. Look at the menu, and uh, here's a recipe. Go make it." Oh, and then and but- then I blow them away. 
and then I become the oh, next, yeah. and then I and then I become like the next <laughs> sensation. And they're like, "This guy's great. Where's you? Where you been the whole time? We're changing the name to Vontobios." <laughs> Doesn't sound as good as Voltagios. <laughs> hey, John, uh, you know what? We're a little short right now on the uh, General Sal's escargot. Uh, Get at it. <laughs> yeah, we got the live snails in the corner. Take them out. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> humanely. Uh, speaking of the opposite of a retro, and I'm not ripping these places, Fresno is one of the trips I make. Love it. I really don't go to chain restaurants in Vegas. Fresno is one of the places, and you're you're sort of a I'll say a Fresno guy in terms of familiarity, because where's your where's your better half from? Uh, from Merced. It's about 45 minutes uh, north. Okay. This is the one trip that I do chain restaurants. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of a, there's not a lot of no. original spot. <laughs> it's not that's not entirely true. But I had a game plan last night, and I was telling Candy about it. Uh, there's a chain here, and I don't know how many other cities in California have it or at all. I know they do have branded. Uh, salsa that I've seen uh, mm-hmm. in Vegas, but a place called Bobby Salazar's. And the one that I go to the last couple of times, I'm like, I'm like, I like this bar. This is kind of gritty. Uh, I mean, honestly, it was actually kind of dirty. Um, so I looked it up this time and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to going to Bobby's. And then I just keep seeing on every every uh, web posting uh, permanently closed. And it just <laughs> completely threw me off. Like I could have gone to one of the other five ones, but I'm like, yeah, I'm not that familiar. So I wound up turning to, uh, in back-to-back meals, our friends at Applebee's. Nice. And uh, for breakfast, it was IHOP. Are you offended by either one of those? Uh, no, we're a pro Applebee's household, the Von Tobles. Um, in fact, uh, we just ingested Applebee's, I would say, like three days ago. So very pro mm-hmm. Applebee's. Uh, in the I'll Von give Tobles. you what I was disappointed with. Because right. I watched the commercials. I don't go to any of them in Vegas. There's a... I'll call it a famous one because I know the story that uh, it was the one that um, Kent Mayweather used to show up at all the time because they're right down the road on Spring Mountain and Rainbow with his gym. Uh, But I don't really go. And I've been watching. I'm like, oh, Fresno. I always hit that. Like, there's not a lot of places to eat late night here. I'm like, I always hit that Applebee's. Got to hit the bees. So I was like, oh, man. I've been seeing them advertise that uh, the bottomless – Chicken bites, the the boneless wings, man. I'm gonna go in there, get a couple of plates of that. Put them out I of sit business. Down, I start looking around. I start looking around. And I'm like, all right, what's going on here? Where's the ta- where's the uh, table tent with the advertised special? So the bartender comes over, and I'm like, yeah, what, that's the the all you can eat boneless. She's like, oh, that ended Saturday. I'm like, come on, it ended Saturday. Why isn't that a year round? Like that's their thing. Wow. What do you mean limited time? They saw you coming. What a bummer. <laughs> Well, maybe. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, you know what the great thing is? I get it, and I can never eat beyond one plate anyway, so it doesn't, it well, doesn't yeah, matter. Well, yeah, that's a trick, right? They always get you to pay for the bottomless, and you're in reality really not putting that many away. I did it a month ago, and they were slow with the refills. Anyway, that's what they do, too, so you get full. Yeah, well, the, the ref- well, first of all, the, uh, I think with the, the bottomless, and we'll give them the free pop here a couple times, with the, or the endless, um, they give you fries. So if you get sucked into having the fries, yeah. then you fill yourself up, and then that second plate comes out, and there's like four. Right. It's like, oh, like, oh you're going to keep going. OK, we'll give you four at a time. But you could Let's switch you. with the shrimp or the riblets and the and the wings. So after oh, you I didn't get, know there was after you, you get could the first switch plate, throughout. You can yeah. meander all the meals. Yeah, you could have got all three. Is that right? Yeah, wow. but you'll never know now. I will never know unless it's uh, running again seasonally. I guess I need to get here earlier. So uh, UNLV in the Mountain West, please, please, please cooperate and get UNLV out here a little earlier than I would have been in. So. 
Very exciting times. You'll notice up on Instagram when I do all the food photos all the, of all the different trips, there's nothing, there's nothing ever from Fresno. Although we did do the, uh, the famous doghouse on the last trip. Four o'clock hour is coming up. We're gonna, in an hour, we're going to talk to Caleb Herring. Uh, loaded four o'clock hour, we'll check in with our Reno voice, Shannon Kelly.